Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Well, let's uh, join together in prayer and ask God to bless us as we open His Word this morning. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You so much for uh, the privilege of studying Your Word. We thank You, Father, for uh, the joy that comes with knowing uh, Your message and Your Word in our life. Lord, we pray that You would speak to our hearts and help us to live and walk according to Your will and desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament to 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and 29. Uh, We're going to actually look at at chapter 29, but uh, chapter 28 is there for our kind of reference to kind of understand what's going on. Uh, The girls and I took a trip to Washington, D.C. a couple of years back, and uh, one of the iconic places that we went to see was uh, the White House. Uh, it's uh, uh, this massive uh, facility that's on eight acres of, of property right there in downtown uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, every president in the history of the United States has lived in that house all except for one. And that one is George Washington. Now, George Washington was the one who picked the site for uh, the White House. George Washington was the one who selected the uh, architect that would uh, develop plans for uh, the White House. George Washington was the one who um, uh, set aside resources in order to be able to uh, build uh, the White House, but he was the only one Uh, the only president who uh, was not able to live in the White House during his presidency. And that uh, that type of selfless leadership is is a demonstration of someone who is forward thinking, someone who is looking uh, forward to uh, the fact that uh, this was a a house that symbolized the seat of government. It was the house uh, of the people of the United States to uh, demonstrate uh, the power and the authority of the uh, executive of the United States. And so uh, this was very important for our founding in the United States and very important for our, our government. Um, now, George Washington's leadership is reminiscent of another great leader that's found in Scripture, and this is uh, King David. And and the background to uh, what we're going to look at is found in chapter 28 of 1 Chronicles. Uh, Chronicles is uh, two books that are, are written uh, that detail the the beginnings of the kings of of Israel, and First uh, Chronicles deals basically with King Saul and King uh, uh, David, and then uh, King Solomon uh, begins with Second Chronicles, uh, but. Uh, the the Chronicles and the Kings uh, are there close together. Uh, and 
at the, in the beginning, uh, these books were all uh, known as the Book of the Kings. Uh, first and Second Chronicles were First and Second Kings, and First and Second Kings uh, was uh, Kings, Third uh, Kings, and Fourth Kings. But uh, that changed over the years. So uh, we see in this. Uh, an overview of the kings of Israel and an understanding of, of what they did. Now, one of the things about King David uh, was that King David uh, was a nation builder. He is the one, uh, the king who is known to have uh, subdued all the enemies of Israel. He was the one who went out into battle. Even while Saul was still king, uh, God had uh, appointed Samuel to go and to anoint David as the next king when uh, when Saul uh, lost his way and, and lost the favor of God because of uh, the fact that he tried to usurp the place of the prophet of Israel, did not look to God for direction and guidance in the leadership of uh, Israel. God took away uh, the mantle from uh, Saul and uh, told Samuel to go and anoint David as the next king. Well, uh, David had a, a contentious time with Saul. Saul uh, was very conscientious about who uh, was around him that was getting praise. Uh, David was one of Saul's uh, mighty warriors, went out into battle, was defeating uh, the Philistines and others that were around Israel at the time. And uh, Saul... Uh, heard the people sing, uh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Well, that continued on into David's uh, reign as king. Uh, David continued to uh, to wipe out all the enemies of of Israel, expanded the territory of Israel, and it was when uh, late in David's reign that David began to have a desire to build a house for God. To build the temple. You see, up until this time, all through the, the time that Israel had been delivered from slavery uh, from Egypt and had begun to go through the wilderness to the, towards the promised land, God established the place in which He would meet with the people. It was called the, the tent of meeting for some time. It was the place in which the presence of God uh, dwelt amongst the people. Uh, God instructed the people of Israel to to build this uh, this meeting house for God and the people of God to come together. And it was the embodiment of, of the presence of God uh, while they were camped in one location. And so uh, all throughout that time, they had this tabernacle, the portable tent of meeting. And... Uh, uh, of course, this tabernacle had gone through 40 years in the wilderness and then uh, some time of, of uh, the history of Israel as they are establishing themselves as a nation, uh, settling into the promised land, defeating all those people who were there, going through the period of the judges and, and uh, the prophets. And, and so now we come to the, the tenure of the kings, the time of the kings, and, and David says... This tent of meeting that we come together with God is supposed to be a place of great reverence. It's supposed to be something that uh, is uh, uh, just shows the uh, the grandeur of God. And here it is. It's just a small little tent. 
and he had a desire to build a, a temple, a great temple that uh, was uh, uh, there in the city of David in Jerusalem. Now, why did David have a desire to do this? Uh, what was pulling at his heart? Well, if you look in chapter 28, you see David saying, uh, David assembled all the princes of Israel and the princes and the tribes and the captains and the companies um, that ministered to the king by course, the captains over the thousands and the captains over the hundreds and the stewards over all the substance and the possessions of the king and his sons uh, with his officers and with the mighty men and with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. So he's assembled all the leadership of Israel. And then David the king stood up upon his feet and uh, said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in mine heart to build a house for the rest of the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God uh, and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood." So uh, David had a great desire to build this temple. Why? Because David understood the significance of what the temple would be. It was not in the building that, uh, that David uh, desired to, to show great significance. That White House that's in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., uh, has gone through a lot of history, but if you wipe out the White House... Uh, has it changed the fact that we have a president? No. Uh, has it changed the history of our nation? No. Has it, does it change the fact that, uh, that the seat of government is in Washington, D.C.? No. In fact, in the 1800s, uh, uh, our uh, White House was set on fire by England uh, as they uh, came into Washington, D.C. And uh, uh, in the War of 1812. Uh, and we understand and know that even though the White House was damaged at that time, our government didn't stop. Uh, it didn't uh, negate the fact that we ha uh, were a great nation uh, in that battle. Uh, it doesn't change that fact. In fact, our, our uh, White House has gone through renovations time and again. And none of that, the building itself is not uh, the seat of our government. It is the people that make it the seat. It's the, the people within the building. Uh, the fact that it is basically uh, primary, not only the residence of the, United, of the President of the United States, but also the place in which the President conducts the business. And the temple for David had that same significance. For David, he said, it's not the, temp, uh, the temple building itself that has significance. It is He who dwells in the temple. And he's not talking about the Ark of the Covenant. He's not talking about all the implements for worship. He's talking about God Himself. This was the place in which God was to come and uh, be with His people in their place, uh, the Holy uh, uh, the, what we call the Holy Land, uh, the promised land for them, this was the place in which God was coming together with the people and was giving direction. And so David desired to, to do justice to, the, to the, the greatness of God by building a great temple that would signify that no longer were the people of Israel wandering nomads throughout the wilderness, but that God's presence would be with them 
forever. And that was uh, David's desire. But uh, why did David not build it? He said that, that God came to him and said that he would not build it because he was a man of war. He was a man of, of uh, shedding of blood. Uh, God's, uh, God right from the very beginning said, David, you're not going to build this temple because you have blood on your hands. And uh, God is saying to David, not, it's not that God didn't want David to, to go and, and defeat all these enemies. God directed David in doing all of that. It was that God was desiring to establish the holiness of that uh, facility. And what we need to understand is, is the holiness of God needs to dwell within the dwelling place of God within our life. Now, we don't worship in a temple. We don't worship in a temple like that. We come together in the church of God, uh, but and and the significance of why we uh, this place is so special to our hearts is that this is the place in which we, as the body of Christ, come together to worship God, and that's the significance for uh, the temple. And so, what we need to to focus on in our life is that we need to have a holy place in which we come to God. And when we come before the presence of God, we need to have a holy place in which we gather together with God, not because that place is special, uh, because of what we are, but because of the presence of God in our life and because of the fact that God comes together with us in that place. Now, there's a lot of people that say, well, I can worship God anywhere. I could go out into the, the field and, and sit in my deer stand and I can worship God. Yes, you can. I can go out on the, my bass boat in the middle of the pond and, and I can uh, sit there while I'm casting my reel and worship God. Yes, you can. I can go out and I can sit in the midst of the woods and commune with God and nature. And yes, you can. But the problem is, is that a lot of times uh, those folks don't do that. The reason that we come together in God's house and is because we're together with others who are worshiping God, who are together the body of Christ, and we and we feel the presence of God greater because we carry the presence of God within us, and we and we come together, we uh, we join together with others who have that same presence of God, and so we need to understand when we worship God, when we come together in this place, the church. We need to understand that we need to be worshiping God in a holy place, a place that is set aside, a place that is uh, that exhibits the uh, the holiness of God. And that's why we get together and we uh, we're in a nice building with uh, nice pews and pads on the pews, and and we've got uh, you know a, a nice clothes on, and we're together uh, to try and and demonstrate. The holiness of God demonstrate the specialness of being in this place together uh, because uh, God is coming together with us in worship. And so what does David do? He said God wouldn't allow him to build the building. And he says, how be it, number verse 4, how be it the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the houses of my father to be king over Israel forever. And for he hath chosen Judah be, to be the uh, ruler and the house of Judah and the house of my father and among the sons of my father. He liked me to make me king over all of Israel and all of my sons 
for the Lord hath given me many sons. He hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of uh, of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon, thy son, he uh, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will uh, be his father. And so we see that David is told that his son Solomon, uh, who would rule after him, would be in charge of create of building this house. And we see all of these uh, these a list of all the things that David does to prepare to get ready to build the house of God. And, he, and we see uh, all this gold and all this finery that's going to be used. David collects all this, uh, these precious things that are going to be used for the, uh, the making of the temple. And uh, as we read further, we understand, we find out that it takes 20 years for Solomon to build the temple of God. 20 years. That's a long project. That's a long time. And we see the glory of God that is exhibited in the house of God at the very end uh, when uh, Solomon enters to dedicate the house of God. But what I want you to see is is in chapter 29, we see uh, David uh, is lays uh, to rest and Solomon begins to work uh, after David has prepared all of these things. Uh, he says, uh, verse 6, Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of the thousands and the hundreds and the rulers of the king's work offered willingly, and they gave uh, the service of the house of God of gold and 5,000 talents and 10,000 uh, drams and of silver and 10,000 talents and of the brass, 18,000 talents. All this money that they give. Verse 9 then the people rejoiced that they had offered willingly because the perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David, the king, also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before the, all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and on earth is thine. And thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thine art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thine hand is, it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. I want you to focus on that last part. Because where does the worship of God begin? The worship of God begins when we realize that we belong to Him. The reason that we come together is not to, to feel good about singing songs, although we do, and that's part of worship. The, uh, the reason that we feel good about coming together is not because we get to visit with one another and we get to see each other, uh, but we do. We do feel good when we come together. We do feel good visiting with one another, but the reason that we feel good when we come together, the reason why we do these things that we do is, is in the worship of God. 
And David is there with all the princes and all the people, and they've given all this stuff to to uh, towards the 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 preparing of the building of the temple. They've given gold and they've given all these things in order to build the temple, to get ready to build the temple. And they've just given and given and given so much so that they, uh, they, they had to finally say, hey, stop, stop giving, we've got too much. And if you keep reading, you'll see about all the finery, all the gold that uh, the Holy of Holies, uh, everything in the Holy of Holies was covered in gold to signify the holiness and the purity of God. And all the instruments that they used, all the uh, the trays and all the snuffers for the, the candles and all the candle holders and everything were made of gold. All these things that they had, the altars were covered in bronze and all this stuff just had uh, all this great finery. Why was that done? It wasn't to, to show how much money the kingdom had. It wasn't to show how great uh, and powerful the, the kingdom of Israel was. It was to show the holiness and the purity of God. And so David says at the end, after all of this, that they had great joy at giving what God had given them. You see, the reason that they had such joy in giving was that they understood that this is not their own. That the things that they had and the things that they were offering back to God, they understood that, that God had blessed them with it. That God had blessed their lives with all of those things. That God had blessed them with the land uh, to call their own. Remember, these were people who were uh, slaves. These were people that had nothing when they lived, uh, left Egypt except for what uh, God compelled the Egyptians to give. They, uh, God compelled the Egyptians to give them all this gold and all this stuff that they had. And here they were. Uh, they, had, they had wandered through the wilderness for 40 years they finally come into the kingdom of Israel and they had to uh, the, this promised land and they had to, to conquer all of that land in order to, to be able to possess it. And God gave them the ability to conquer all of those people that possessed the land before and God began to build their wealth. God began to, to, to create in them uh, a... Uh, a force in that area, in that region in which they were able to subdue their enemies. And, and in doing so, God began to build the, uh, the treasures and the wealth of the nation. But they realized they didn't have any of that of, on their own. They realized that they didn't conquer those people on their own. They realized that everything that they had, all that they had came from God. Everything that they had possessed they had joy in giving. Why? Because David, and David summed it up. He said, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation and said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. David said, look, we understand that we're not powerful in ourselves. We're not powerful in our own ability to, to, to conquer other nations. We don't have victory in and of ourselves. We don't have the ability to go out and defeat other nations in ourselves. We're just a puny uh, group of people compared to all these nations all around us. 
It's God who gave us the victory. It's God that gave us uh, this, uh, the, the greatness that we in, enjoy. It's God who has the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. When we come before God, we need to realize that we're nothing without God. We need to realize that we're nothing without the, uh, without the glory and the majesty and the, and the power of God. We come to God, uh, we come to church many times and we forget that we're nothing when compared to God. We're nothing when, uh, it doesn't matter how much we've got in our bank account, it doesn't matter what kind of automobile that we drive, it doesn't matter what kind of, of uh, 401k that we have or what size of house that we live in. We're nothing, nothing compared to God. And we need to understand and realize that everything that we have comes from God. Everything that we have comes with, uh, from His power, His majesty, His glory. David desired to have a temple to where people could understand the, gro- uh, the glory and the majesty and the power of God in their lives. We need to understand and realize when we come together as a people of God that not only is God pure and holy, but everything that we have is a result of God's power and majesty. Everything that we have is a result of God's glory and might and power in our life. If we have good things in our life, it's because of God. If we don't have uh, the things that we think that we ought to have, it's, uh, it, it's a result of our whether or not we're depending upon God and, and trusting in God. And listen, I, you'll never confuse me with the health and wealth and uh, uh, philosophy of, of preaching. I'm not one of those preachers. I think that they preach a corrupt uh, gospel. But what I'm saying is, is that, listen, you are where you are because of God's plan and purpose in your life. You have what you have because uh, God desires for you to have that in your life at that moment. And God desires for you to, uh, to be able to glorify Him and to, uh, to express the glory of God in your life in that moment. If you don't have a, a, a lot of... Look, uh, uh, Paul said, look, I, I've learned to live when I have a lot and I learned to live when I have little. And all of us will go through periods in our life when we have a lot and when we have a little. The, uh, the importance is, is to remember who does it come from. Where does it come from? It comes from God. It's not from good fortune. It's not from scratching off a, a, a card at the convenience store. It's not because uh, you struck it rich or you found uh, uh, luck all of a sudden. None, luck has nothing to do with it. Luck, luck doesn't exist. What it does exist is God's presence in your life. And God desires for us to worship Him in all of what He has given us, in everything that He has. He wants us to understand where does it come from? It comes from God. All that we have, whether it's a little or a lot, it comes from God. And we need to be willing to to acknowledge the fact that all that we have comes from Him and be willing to give it willingly back to Him 
when He desires it. When God uh, uh, places a burden upon our heart to give uh, to the church, to give to someone in need, to to do whatever it is that God has called us to, to do in our life, we need to realize that everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that is about us comes from God and comes as a result of God's blessing in our life. Amen. And it's not until we do that that we can understand and know the joy of giving back to God what He has already given us and exhibiting in our life the willingness to give and to, and to bless others because of how God has blessed us in our life. And that is part of worship. Worship is an understanding of, of, okay, I've got what I have. I have been blessed of God. Okay, I'm not going to hoard what God has given me, but I'm going to share it with others. I'm going to give back to God what He has given me so that God can what use it in my life, so God can take it and use it to, give, uh, to bring glory and honor to Him. That's why we take up an offering in church is so that we can exhibit towards ourselves and to others that we're not going to hoard what God has given us, but we're going to willingly give it back to Him so that He can use it. Does God have everything there is? Yeah. Did God give us all that we have? Yes. So it's not that God needs it. It's that God desires for us to, uh, to demonstrate that He is Lord of our life, that He is in control of our life. Money's not in control of my life. My job is not in control of my life. My possessions aren't in control of my life. God is in control of my life. And so David was able to rejoice at what God had given the people of Israel and the fact that the people of Israel had been willing to give back to God. And he said, in all of that, thine is the greatness. Thine is the majesty. Thine is the glory. He is able to worship God and the willingness of the people to give. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as head above all. Verse 12, Both riches and honor come of Thee, and Thou reignest over all. And in Thy hand is power and might, and in Thine hand is, it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, O God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. Where does the worship of God start? It starts not in a building. It starts not in the things that are in the building. It starts not with the people that are in the building. It starts with God's presence and an understanding of who God is. Everything in the temple was focused on the holiness of God. Everything in the temple was focused on the provision of God. Everything in the temple focused on God's goodness with His presence. God's presence in your life is... uh, Begins God, the worship of God in your life begins with the presence of God 
and a willingness to place everything on the altar and offer it to God and worship Him, the worship of God. David's not saying, God, we worship You because You've given us all of this. No, he's saying, God, we worship You because all that You have given is from You. All that we have is from You. And we offer it all back to You in Your glory because You are greater than... Uh, look, it's God that created the gold, right? It's God that created the ivory. It's God that created all that they had assembled to, to build the temple. And in Your life, I don't think there's a one of us that was born into... Uh, you know, when the doctor pulled us out of our mama and smacked us on the behind... None of us was holding a certificate for $100,000. None of us were holding, in our, you know, they say he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. I've never, seen, I've never heard tell of anybody born actually with a silver spoon in his mouth. Everything that we have comes from God. And all of it in our life exhibits His holiness. And it's not until we learn the proper perspective of everything that we have and everything that is in our life that we can truly begin to worship God as overall. If you treasure anything in your life more than you treasure the presence of God, then you worship... You don't worship God, you worship that that you treasure the most. It could be your family, it could be your home, it could be your uh, savings, your portfolio, whatever it is. If you treasure that over the presence of God in your life, then you don't worship God, you worship another God. And we have to have that in mind when we come together. When we begin to worship God, we have to remember God's first and foremost in our life. Nothing should stand in our way to worship Him. Nothing should stand in the way of putting Him uh, priority in our life. And that is the beginning of the presence of God in our life. And so I want to ask you today, do you have the presence of God in your life? Do you worship Him or do you worship another? Do you value something else other than maybe you might value your health more than you value the presence of God in your life? Maybe you value the ability to, to continue to live. Maybe you value uh, the time that you spend on vacation or you value uh, uh, the things that you do in your off time at home. Maybe you value... Uh, uh, a relationship that's in your life. Uh, would you be willing to give up a relationship that you have in order to worship God, in order to have God in your life? Would you be willing to, to, to give it all? God's not saying to get rid of everything. Don't hear me saying that. And don't hear me saying that you've got to give everything you have to the church. That's not what I'm saying. You have to, uh, but what I'm saying is, is, the, is God have supremacy in your life? Are you willing to sacrifice all to have God in your life? Do you have that kind of relationship? You know, so many people come to Christ just because uh, they they uh, they don't want to 
have the consequences of sin in their life. They don't want to die and go to hell. They don't want to have uh, sin in their life. So they, they come and walk down the aisle and go, uh, come to Jesus. Those are good motivators to understand who, uh, who God is. But that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. Those are just the benefits of having a relationship with God. We need to worship God not just because of what He's able to do, but worship God because of who He is. Worship God because uh, that He is the Creator of all. And He is our, our sustainer. He has glory and majesty over all. And rejoice at what He does in our life. Rejoice because of how He provides. Rejoice because of how He uh, supplies us with all that we need because of our relationship to Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Maybe you need to have Jesus in your life today. You can't worship God without having a relationship with Jesus Christ of inviting Jesus into your heart and life, of uh, of accepting the gift of, of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins. Maybe you haven't ever done that. Maybe today's the day you need to, to accept Jesus into your heart and life. Maybe it, it, you've just kind of forgotten the significance of having a relationship with God. You know, David didn't understand and know who Jesus was. He just uh, he had faith in God, trust in God. And he placed that trust in God and, and worshiped God. And now we understand and know that God's plan for our life through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. But that's just the beginning of a relationship with Him. We need to worship Him for all of who God is. Savior, Redeemer, Creator, Sustainer, the One who provides, the One who sees us through. Maybe you need to reassess your life and determine what has promise in your life. Is it your relationship to God? Is it your job? Maybe it's the things that you have. I hope and pray that it's God that's first and foremost. You know, a storm could come through here and tear up everything that you have. Destroy it all. Locusts could come through and eat up all the crops. stock market could fall. Everything that we hold value in this life could wipe out like that. Come to an end. But as long as we have God in our life, as long as we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're richer than the world can understand of the presence of God. Not because of gold, not because of silver, not because of <coughs> great holdings, but because of the presence of God. 
Dear Gracious Father, I pray that you would help us to have a deeper understanding of our relationship to you. And understand that that everything that we have and the very essence of our life comes from You. Lord, help us to draw close to You, to worship You, to live for You. In Jesus' name, Amen.